Hello and welcome to Sports Beat After Hours. Mm. I am your host, Hemahe Mooley Jr. And joining us as always, my co-host on the ones and twos. Oh Canada, please rise for Zachary Hicken. Yeah, uh happy to be back. I mean, short turnaround. We were just recording last night, and so back in the studio again. We're yep. back at it. And we, live we here. are luckily joined by someone with um a lot more credibility than us. Someone more with gravitas. a lot more yeah, more gravitas, someone with more following. Someone that people are actually excited to hear from, <laughs> Mitch Harper. Mitch, how are you doing today, man? Hey, doing great, guys. I appreciate being back on the podcast. Uh, the, the first time was a great experience. So there. fun. So far, I mean, I'm, I'm almost two months into the sh- to my job here at KSL, and I got to say, the highlight in my first two months has been on Sports Beat After Hours. Oh, so it's been, it's been a great time. It's been that. a lot of fun. Uh, so our bosses, they might be a little upset with that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's been a great time, though, guys. I'm excited to be back. That's awesome, dude. Um, so we're excited because this weekend on Sports Beat on TV, um, we've got a BYU football preview show. By the time you guys are listening to this, you guys can go onto our YouTube channel and mm-hmm. actually check that out. Or the app, I think. Or the KSL TV app, kslsports.com. Wherever you get your KSL TV content, it's going to be up there. We'll have it up um, after 6.30. Uh, it'll be airing on TV at 6 o'clock, so... Um, yeah, we are here in studio to give our BYU preview, and of course, of course, we're joined. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. No, at that. That was funny. <laughs> of course, we're joined by the BYU insider Mitch Harper. Absolutely. Um, and he, uh, if you guys don't know, um, he has his own podcast. It's Cougar Tracks. He's dropping episodes every single day with the biggest names in BYU. Uh, last week it was uh, Dave Rose, Soljay Mayava. He had Mark Pope a few weeks ago. So if you guys want, like, the best insider content uh, with people directly tied to the program, it's Mitch Harper's podcast, so make sure you guys check that out. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, the revival of, of a brand with Cougar Tracks, I mean, obviously, once upon a time, Greg Rebell had it. Mm-hmm. So it's been a lot of fun to reboot that brand up. And, and during fall camp, it's going to be in, insider content every single day, going to be down in Provo. So definitely highly recommend subscribing on all podcasting platforms. For sure. Okay, awesome. Well, let's dive right into our BYU football preview. Let's do it. We're going to do a position-by-position breakdown. Let's start with the offense, the most important position, the one that people, when you look at BYU, what people are most excited to hear about is the quarterback position. Oh, place kicker. Yeah, place (laughs) kicker. You know what? We're going to get to that. Okay. Uh, But let's look at the quarterback position. Returning starter, Zach Wilson, um, a deep uh, set of backups, very talented backups, in my opinion, with Jaron Hall. Joe Critchlow and uh, uh, Romney. Um, sorry, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. <laughs> but uh, good set of backups and um, very excited about this position group this year. Yeah, it's really going to be a, a fun position group for for BYU. I mean, I, I think that you know BYU they they pride themselves still on being a place that can get great quarterback play, and that's been one of the the interesting things about Independence is that when BYU moved from the Mountain West to Independence, you thought. You know, will BYU be able to get great athletes still to go to the school? Well, at the quarterback spot, BYU has. They've shown time and time again they can consistently get good recruits into the program. And right now, uh, it's an interesting dynamic of a lot of excitement, but yet they're still very young. You're talking yes. about two sophomores uh, in, in Zach Wilson and then Joe Critchlow, who's your fourth-string guy. Third string, Baylor Romney, who might be the best overall athlete in the quarterback room, even better mm. than redshirt freshman Jaron Hall, who is labeled by Jeff Grimes at Media Day. He told me, and it was on the Cougar Tracks podcast, he said, 
he might be the best skill position player we have in the program. And I thought that was kind of wow. interesting because then you talk about, okay, Zach Wilson, he's your starter, no doubt about that. But Jaron Hall could play maybe a running back, maybe a wide receiver. They're going to find ways to get Jaron involved in this offense. You saw glimpses of that in the Boise State game last mm-hmm. year and against UMass, but it's going to happen, I think, this it's, year if, if Wilson's healthy. This is really interesting because you were just telling me a little bit earlier. You went to the Fan Fest out mm-hmm. up in Davis County. Jaron Hall was there. What did you tell me Jaron Hall looked like? Yeah, the, he is big. I mean, and some of the fans on social media and, and message boards were even talking about his uh, that were in that attendance, and I agree with them. I mean, Jaron Hall is massive in terms of his physical build. I mean, he doesn't look like a quarterback. It's kind of like the Taysom Hill look in the in the sense of he just – I mean, that's not a typical – quarterback frame. I mean, you think about like a guy like Tom Brady, right. the best in the sport, the best to ever do it, and he's just kind of this awkward dad bod looking guy. Yeah. That's kind of what you think of your quarterbacks, right? Even and, like Aaron Rodgers is like exactly. not a physical specimen. And, like and, the wide shoulders, the big arms. Unlike unlike Aaron Rodgers, though, you know, Jaron Hall, he loves his family. He's he's, he's very close to his extended family. <laughs> wow. he's, he's close to his dad, Kalen, and his, and his older brother, KJ. His younger brother's committed to BYU. So it's a close-knit family, and they all love BYU and Jaron's going to find a way to get involved in the program uh, in, on the field this year. And I think fans should be really excited about this quarterback position group. It's the best BYU uh, quarterbacks they've had since 2014 when they had Taysom Hill and Christian Stewart. Wow! I think you're going to see this year this will be the best offense BYU's had since that season where Christian Stewart threw for 25 touchdown passes and Taysom mm-hmm. got BYU off to a 4-0 start. This will be the best offense since then because of the quarterback position. Yeah, you definitely have guys that you can lean on in case of injury. I mean, you're always crossing your fingers that that doesn't happen. Right. But um, like you said, Jaron is an unbelievable athlete. He looks like, you know who he reminds me of? And I know that this has kind of become like a cliche, but he looks like Russell Wilson to me, just in his <laughs> ability to be mobile in the pocket yeah. and his ability to throw. He's also a dual sport athlete like Russell Wilson was. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays baseball. He's a good baseball player. <laughs> um, he had a lot of big moments for the BYU baseball team this year. Um, so I'm excited to see how they utilize him because they need to find a way to use him uh, this season. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the uh, running backs. Running backs. Yeah, and running backs. Um, kind of a different look than we saw last year. Uh, yeah. You lose um, Squally Canada. You lose Matt Hadley. You lose Riley Burt. But you return Lapini Katoa, who had a very promising freshman year before he got injured, mm-hmm. and you add a couple grad transfers. He looked really good. One of the things that I noticed with Lapini Katoa is he somehow always found a way to kind of gain yardage, right? He's not really the bruiser type running back who's going to go north to and south. And he's not like a breakaway guy either. No, but he does kind of, for lack of a better term, squirm his way through the line to get those needed yards. Um, I thought he was kind of on the skinnier side of a running back. Um Maybe ran a little bit high, but he was so he's so young that cool. You can fix those things. You can get those um, basics hammered down. What you can't teach is that vision that he has to find yardage. And I'm really excited to have him back. But he's not the only running back um, that BYU has. I was worried about the depth because we lost so many guys at the beginning of this of this year. Um, but we have a bunch of transfers in, and I don't know too much about those guys. So, Mitch, could you tell us a little bit about those new running backs that we have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to kind of before to preface, I mean, you you go back to to March where heading into spring football, there were so many questions about the running back position. I mean, Kavika Fanua's his health status; it was up in the air. Is he going to play? He ends up playing in spring ball, and that was a positive thing. And you didn't have these grad transfers like Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Asukpa. And and Tyson Williams, he was a second, third string guy for South Carolina last year, kind of a little bit 
lost in the shuffle, but he was a former five-star recruit uh, by some recruiting services and just hasn't worked out for him in terms of the distribution of carries that he wanted. I mean, I think that you know BYU, it's interesting because I've never seen a recruit following BYU football recruiting where he has no ties to the faith-based institution, right. he has no ties to the coaching staff, nothing any sort of tie to BYU except that he knew a kid out in South Carolina that was a close friend that was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and wow. and that that's it and like that was the only thing he knew but <laughs> but even that 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 didn't factor into the recruitment it was simply Jeff Grimes and AJ Stewart looked at the transfer portal they looked through all the names and go okay this guy looks like he's someone that could fit because they dug into his background always oh, got a military father mm. uh there's there's some connections there that he has some sort of you know, faith, uh, you know, affiliation. He's yes. a member of a different religion. But so there, there's there's some foundation points there that, you know, can w- work at BYU. And then you add in the fact that there's opportunity to be had. So it made a lot of sense. And, and Tyson Williams, I think, is right there with, with Lopini Katoa could be the number one back. Now, if you were to tell me who I think is going to be the number one running back against Utah, that first one out of the gates, I think it's Lopini Katoa because I think yeah. that Lopini has put in a ton of work. And I think people are – he's really motivated to prove – that, hey, Tyson's not just going to come in and win this job. Right. And, and Emmanuel Sukba, he's going to be more the third, fourth back uh, in this group. I, I think that Kavika Fanua has something to say about that, depending on his health status, which is always going to be a question mark uh, with him and his back injuries. He has knee injury. He's had mm-hmm. so many different injuries in his career. But I, I think the only thing I have an issue with with BOU's running backs right now is that they don't have defined roles yet. We're going to yeah. learn a lot that week one against Utah because – you're probably not going to see a better defensive line in college football for BYU. We'll learn a lot about these guys in week one. Well, and some other guys that I'm actually kind of intrigued by, Tyler Algier had a nice uh, stretch of four games last year, Mm -hmm. Um, had that really big run against New Mexico State. And then uh, Morgan Piper um, is a guy that I heard about a lot during, I guess, leading up to spring ball. Um, Do you have anything else that you could add on those guys? Yeah, Tyler Algier, he's going to be someone I think he could be I wouldn't be surprised if by season's end he's above an Emmanuel Souk, but just because I think in terms of his work ethic, you know, A.J. Stewart, the running back coach, really liked Tyler Algier. He's kind of the the cliche, first one in the building, last one to leave right. guy. That's kind of his shtick, and, and that's what you probably have to do as a preferred walk-on if you want to get any sort of run um, at, at, B, at BYU. It's interesting. You know, he wasn't a member of the church, decides to come to BYU. He had PWO offers of some uh, Mountain West schools, but but chose BYU because he wanted to, to play the highest level of football he possibly could, and I think he's got a good shot. He's got a good frame on him, and he's got some decent speed. I, I think, though, the guy that I'm most intrigued by that's kind of a wild card that no one's talking about is Jax McChesney oh, yeah. out of Lone Peak High School, speedster. I mean, he was back in the, the class of 2017 at a rivals camp, he was one of the fastest guys next to Alabama's Najee Harris. Wow! He was the second. He was the the runner up to Najee you as far to as say the former BYU recruit. Oh <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> Najee Harris who visited twice on campus, twice. <laughs> so twice. So uh, goals somehow. Steve Kafusi of all people had the connection to Najee Harris. I don't know how that was possible, but uh, uh, yeah. So I think that Jackson is going to be to me the most intriguing guy that no one's talking about right now. That maybe could suddenly see some time just because he's so spe- he's he's got a lot of speed and I think also too these running backs they are going to utilize these guys in the passing game a lot. That was one of the big things yeah. that they looked at with the transfer portals. Can these guys catch the ball out of the backfield? Tyson Williams, Asukpa, Jax McChesney, they can do that in bunches. So 
I think this group could has some, some promise, a lot more than I would have thought four months ago. Yeah, it did look bleak four months ago, and yeah. now I feel really good about this. I mean, if anything, it's a pretty solid rotation, and our guys will be able to get some rest during the games. Yeah, yeah. McChesney, he's going to be a guy that he probably won't be a factor till late in the season, but sure. um, had one of the highest Nike Spark Combine numbers, mm-hmm. um, I think, in, in the United States for his graduating class, and so... A guy to look forward to and be excited about BYU fans. But let's move on to uh, the wide receiver position, which I would probably say okay. um, maybe has the is the biggest question mark at the moment just because we don't really – there are guys there that we know who they are, but we also don't know you know, who some of these other guys that are going to fill in for some of these spots are going to be. I mean, we know – we know about uh, Aleva Hifa. We know about Gunnar Romney. We know about Talon Shum. We know about Micah Simon. But um, in order to have an effective wide receiver court, you need to have more than just four guys. You need to have probably six or seven guys that can rotate in. And I think also, too, with these these receivers, I, I look at it, and I was actually talking with him uh, when we were going to lunch. It's like I would like to see these guys all three of them, the top three, meaning Gunnar Romney at the X receiver spot, Talon Shumway at the Z, and Aleva Hifo at slot, just consistently those three guys every yeah. single play. Because I don't think they have the luxury to just rotate these guys in and out. Because the last mm-hmm. few years, whether it was Grimes, Ty Detmer's offense, there's been a lot of rotating. There's just yeah. not consistent reps for the top guys. Now, the argument would then be made, well, no one's emerged to just warrant those top reps. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Your top three guys are Romney, Shumway, and Hifo. Just ride those guys. Ride them every single play if need be. Because I think there's a pretty big drop between you know those first three, then Micah Simon. Because I think Micah Simon's a, a good guy, good locker room guy. He's kind of like your, if you want to make a comparison from the NBA to college football, he's your Jared Dudley yeah. of college football. <laughs> yeah. Good locker room guy, yeah. been around a while. But at the end of the day, what's I mean, I feel like we've seen that song and dance time and time again, yeah. always doing nice things in practice. Where is that in the game? Mm-hmm. And we just haven't seen enough, especially going into his senior year. I can't bank on that. So Gunnar Romney is going to be the guy that's looked upon to be the guy. And I don't think it's critical to have a number one wide receiver. I think that BYU can be okay without that number one guy. Especially but with what they have at the time. Ex- no question. And the thing is, is that I think with Romney, though, he represents that hope that him and Zach Wilson can create this great one-two tandem. They're, yep. t- they're roommates together. They're basically spending every moment of their lives together. Uh, and I think that that investment in one another has got to pay off in some form on the football field. I think that's the most important thing when you talk about the wide receiver position is him and the quarterback, they, them and the quarterback have to have that chemistry yep. that you're mm-hmm. talking about. And that comes through consistency. And what I want to see is a consistent lineup where these guys build that chemistry. Uh, we, we've we talked about this a lot before. You'll hear about more of it during our uh, BYU preview show. But Zach Wilson is a very uh, cerebral quarterback. And mm-hmm. he's. I want to see him build that chemistry to where, like, you know, he knows where they're, where they're running their routes, how they're running their routes. If a play gets broken up, he knows where they're going to be. And um, that is really important uh, in this position over here. Well, and I think one thing with Zach, too, um, is that he's never satisfied with his performances. Uh, after the Western Michigan game, he's perfect. He doesn't have an incomplete pass. And he comes back after, and uh, he was talking to some media members about it, and he says, you know what, that wasn't good enough, actually, because I got bailed out because of a couple of pass interferences, flags that were made, um, flags that were thrown, uh, stuff like that. I need to make better reads. A lot of times he said that he was just throwing the ball up and yeah. got lucky. And so having someone, a quarterback that's hungry like that, it's been a while since BYU's had. I mean, Taysom Hill was a competitor, but he wasn't a vocal guy that's going out and sure. um, was very aggressive about 
you know, what, what he feels that he needs to do. But um, you look at what Zach's done this offseason, even coming off of sh- uh, shoulder surgery, he's been very, very busy. He's been working out with John Beck. He went and had a workout with Drew Brees. Um, and he's been... Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, Blake Jimmy Bortles, Garoppolo, Blake all those Bortles. Guys. Sorry, I didn't want to mention Blake Bortles because I didn't want to send <laughs> BYU fans into a panic. Hopefully, he didn't. Jimmy Garoppolo's taste in women has it rubbed <laughs> off. <on that. laughs> wow. Oh, I'm glad that you were the one that went there. Sorry, Jimmy G Thank doesn't you. listen to this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Brees are both guys that you know that Zach Wilson can really take a thing or two from, and um, Zach has even said in the past he said at BYU Media Day to Jeremiah Jensen that Drew Brees is a guy that he kind of wants to model his game after mm-hmm. a little bit. So kind of cool for him to go out and work out with those guys. And um, John Beck is a great quarterback coach, and he's going to be able to help him continue to grow. But um, as we go back to the wide receiver position, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Mitch. That you know those four guys the three are the there's a real drop off after those first three Micah Simon can contribute but some of those guys I'm excited for that are younger um Keanu Hill uh Dax Milne and um sorry I'm just looking at the list right now Braden Cosper is the last one that was a little bit of promise from last season yeah I would also add to I mean the status of Neil Powell his it's kind of mm-hmm. up in the air and yeah I would expect that he's going to be suspended for the season with BYU I just I don't think Kalani can afford to risk when you're talking about establishing job security you can't have a DUI this isn't just an honor code this is where mm-hmm. you're you know threatening lives driving behind getting behind the wheel drunk uh Neil Powell's going to be suspended I would imagine for the entire season then the good thing is though I'm sure Kalani will lay out a path for him to come back and have two years mm-hmm. remaining but that will be a loss because I think Neil Kind of like his body type is nothing. Like you look at some of the potential replacements for him. There's no other guy that's like six four and what right. he's like two oh five. I mean, he's a big body receiver. Two twenty three on the roster. Wow. Right now. Yeah, two twenty three. He's he's a big guy. I mean, I was watching him in spring ball this past March, and he, there's just no really comparable physically to him. He looks like a guy that should yeah. just dominate out there. So that will be a loss, but. I think they'll be okay. Dax Milne's kind of the wild card here. That the coaches really like Dax Milne. They gave him a scholarship based on his play a season ago. So I think that position is still a question. Uh, are they good enough gamers to to give Zach Wilson and maximize the potential of that quarterback spot? I, I don't know yet, but I think we'll we'll continue like so many of these spots that on the offense. We'll learn very early because of how tough that first month is. How uh, what type of, type of impact do you think Luke Andrade is going to have? You know that's interesting because never have I have I seen recruits that literally had no recruiting attention. I mean, yeah. his name had to be put into the database in late January. So a guy that was not on anyone's radar. And he was getting recruited by BYU's track and field team. And the track and field coach gives a ring to Fessy Sataki and Aaron Roderick and says, hey, I got this guy that's pretty fast. And he played quarterback at, at this Colorado high school. And I want to give him a look. So they look up the film. They go to his huddle. And they're like, all right, let's 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 look at this kid. And wow. BYU had some scholarships to work with. And, and they offered him. So, but, but what I'm getting at is like he literally had no buzz around anywhere. Right. BYU yeah. was it. Yet his speed is record-setting in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 100 meters, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was the best to ever do it in the state of Colorado. I mean, you're talking about you're one of 50 people, the best in an individual state. That, that's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. so that speed, can it translate with, with pads on the field? He was a winner. I mean, two-time state champion in the state of Colorado. So he's got that backing. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if he can uh, actually make an impact. But I think they're, they're newcomers are pretty much in an ideal world. They redshirt them, 
Get them right. four games. Yeah. But ideally, they ride with the top three guys on their depth chart. Yeah, he's a guy I just wanted to mention because I know BYU fans paid very close yes. attention to what he did during track and field season. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. excited to see what he can do. Let's move on to the tight end position now. Mm-hmm. This is probably the, I would say, the deepest or second deepest, depending on what you think of the offensive line. Potentially the deepest skill position on the offense this season, though. You lose Dallin Holker, Holker from last year. He decides to go on a mission very late um, after the season. But you return Matt Bushman. You return Moroni Lalulupututau. You return Darius McFarland, who was more of a fullback H-back last year, but uh, he's now listed as a tight end. Alema Pilimai, uh, uh, Kyle Griffiths. Uh, Hank Tui-Pelotu, I know that's a guy that you're high on. So very um, excited to see what this tight end position can do this year. Um, I'm super excited for to have uh, Moroni back because yeah. he, you know, um, Matt Bushman is kind of like a typical uh, typical tight end, which is great. He has good hands. He's a big body. He can run routes that he can block. Moroni was the one they were putting on like sweeps sometimes, the jet sweeps, and um, super athletic. Was he the guy that was he the one that hurdled somebody? He hurdled a, yeah. uh, a okay. defender against Arizona. Super athletic. Yeah. And so I'm excited to have him back. I hope you know he's recovering well, and I hope to have him 100, percent especially in that first game. He's come off a couple of really tough injuries to come back from, and um, I mean personally for me, Moroni is a great representative of the BYU program. And you just hope that he can finish out his career uh, on a, on a high note, because when he first came in, um, I remember his first practice, I think it was 2014 or 15. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, comes back from his mission and Taysom Hill's throwing bombs to him on the practice field. And Taysom Hill mentions him <laughs> as someone to expect big things from, uh, yeah. that season as a freshman, just straight off of his mission. And so, um, he's someone that, uh, just because of injuries, he's kind of been held back a little bit, but, if he has a healthy year, um, I don't know that he starts the season as the number one guy just based on what um, Bushman's been able to do his freshman sophomore year. But Moroni is kind of a really well-rounded tight end that can do it all. Uh, he can put his hand in the dirt, block. He can run routes. He can, like you said, he's very athletic. He came from a wide receiver position, and mm-hmm. um, I think the tight end kind of suits him a little bit better just for what his body has grown into physically. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel because of these tight ends. I think you're going to see you know one running back and, and two tight ends. Cool. Uh, I think you'll see these tight ends utilized quite a bit. And as you mentioned, Hank Tuipoloto is a guy that I'm really high on. Kind of that next in line after, you know, if you're looking – Bushman, you know, because he's coming back from a shoulder. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk so much about Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson this, Zach Wilson that, but, you know, Bushman's coming back from a shoulder. Levahifo's coming back from a shoulder. So many guys banged up in spring. You know, I, I think Bushman will be fine, but I still, like, you know, you, you just wonder. Uh, Hank Tuipoloto coming back from an injury. Moroni coming back from an injury. This group was banged up in spring, so we don't really have a clear uh, – we haven't seen much on these guys since last season, uh, but still, I, I expect pretty – good production from this group. And then Alema Peely, my, I think he's got a lot of potential. It's interesting. I think he's a guy that honestly should probably go to the linebacker spot where he's best yeah. suited. That's where mm-hmm. he was really good coming out of Tustin, California, uh, turned down Utah and Kyle Whittingham to sign with the, with BYU. But, um, you know, also Isaac Rex, he's a younger, he's, he's a, the son of BYU great Byron Rex. Oh. He's coming back from a mission. He's got a bright future ahead. So, it's amazing to see the growth at that tight end spot from where it was when Kalani inherited it. Because remember, in 2015, Remington Peck had to switch over from D-line to tight end, mm-hmm. and he was getting some good run. 
But and really, what a revelation was, he was. <laughs> it, it was a spot though yeah. that was just gone because you know Robert and I, they're, they're just it wasn't a role in the offense, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but Kalani's made it a point of emphasis in in this program, and I think that's good because BYU they can get good quarterbacks, they can get a good lineman, they can get good tight ends, and uh, and that's a position where they'll always have a wealth of talent. You're seeing that right now in the program. Yeah, it's the deepest that it's been in years, and mm-hmm. like you said, it it went from being non-existent to being. Um, a really good group of talented guys that you really have three or four guys that could realistically contribute at a at a good level, um, and then you know you have some young guys coming up behind that had really good prep careers. Nate Heaps was a guy that had a great prep career mm-hmm. out of American Fork. I believe they won the state championship his senior year, but he played with Lapini Katoa at American Fork back in 2015. Um, and so yeah, very excited to see what those guys can do. Um, all right, let's go. To the- What's the next position? O-line? The big, the big pretties. Let's go. And we don't call them the big uglies because these guys, <laughs> um, I mean, they're nasty. The they're hogs? freaks only, as uh, Eric Mateos <laughs> would say. But don't don't look that up. <laughs> don't look don't that look up. up we learned that. Um, but I mean, this might be the deepest. This is by far. It's not might. This is the deepest BYU offensive line that they've had in years. Maybe twenty years since uh, ninety six, even two thousand one, maybe. And they had a couple guys uh, that I, I believe made it to the NFL. But it starts in the middle with James Empey. You got Braden Christian, Brady Christensen um, out of the left tackle. Uh, Tristan Hodge um, in the middle. The only guy that you really lose from last year is Austin Hoyt, who he had NFL potential but decided to hang up the cleats, hang up the shoulder pads, and mm-hmm. uh, move on in his life. But um, really excited to see what these guys bring back. I'm with you there, and I think you mentioned Austin Hoyt being gone. I honestly think they'll they'll be better uh, with with. I mean, Austin Hoyt he did a nice job, no doubt about it. Played in all those games last season, but you're talking about a guy like as you mentioned, he had invites to NFL All Star games or you know those Senior Bowls and whatnot, mm-hmm. NFL PA games, and he decided that he wasn't interested in that football. He was done. Yeah, uh, and I think there, there's something there where you're talking when you're talking about guys that just they don't want to play at the next level. I mean, I think when you want, you got hungry guys that want to be in the NFL, and I think a guy like Harris Lachance, he's going to be your guy that fills in for Austin Hoyt at right tackle. He's a six, what, 6'8", 305, 308, somewhere in there. Coaches love Harris Lachance's ability. He's young. I mean, he's, he's raw out of Harriman High School, once was a Utah State signee, uh, comes back from the mission, ends up transferring to BYU. But, you know, I, I think that this offensive line, you were talking about it as – best in what sort of years. I think you go back to a little bit sooner, somewhere 06, 08 range when you're talking about Jake Caressa, um, you know, Dallas Reynolds. That era was pretty good. But I think this group can be better because I just think that the investment in resources at the offensive line spot, we were talking about Jeff Grimes, Eric Mateos, just there, there's a great uh, investment to that position group and guys that know the position better than anyone in, in college football. I mean, Jeff Grimes is considered one of the best offensive line coaches in the sport, and you've yep. got him in the building, and that's going to be huge for BYU. And I think this is a confident group. Now that they've got the experience, they know they can have success, and I think they're going to be a really fun group to watch, and it's going to all start up front with them, and I think BYU's built for for success at that spot. And there's a different physical approach to the recruiting and the development that these guys are taking than there was with, uh, again, going back to Bronco and uh, yeah. Robert and I. Um, there's one guy who's under 6'4", and it's Caden Hawes at 6'2", 305, um, 
who's a center, but all these guys. You got Chandon Herring, 6'7", 306. You got Brady Christensen, 6'6", 295. You got Blake Freeland, who's a freak athlete. He's 6'8", 260. He's a guy, Jeez. he's not going to do much this year, but I was very excited watching him in the basketball tournament, uh, the high school basketball state mm. tournament last year. He was dunking all over <laughs> uh, the other teams that he was playing. He was insanely impressive as an athlete, but... Yeah, Tristan Hodges is just a beast. He is nasty. These guys, Kiefer Longson, the the uh, Ohio State recruit, was he ever committed to Ohio State? He had an offer from he Ohio State. He had an State, offer yep. from Ohio State, so he was being recruited by Ohio State. This is a, a group that um, has some really big recruits, and um, you expect big things out of them this year. Yeah, I the, for me, there was a notable difference when uh, Coach Grimes was brought onto the staff and he started working with the line. And, and you know, just giving him more and more time, I've seen improvements, and I and I just can't help but be super excited for the offensive line this year. Well, and one thing too is with the rotating running backs that BYU had last year, there wasn't much of a drop off when you guy have a guy like Matt Hadley come over from playing linebacker and safety the last mm-hmm. two seasons to come in and play running back the second half of the season, and it's because of that push and that physicality that the he, offensive yeah, line was able good. to establish. Like Hadley was a great running back. Well, and it's interesting too, guys. I mean, I, I was just on earlier today as, as of this recording. We, we were doing this here on a Saturday. Uh, I talked with Brady Christensen, and he said, and you can hear that on Cougar Sports Saturday podcast on on KSL News Radio. He was saying how with the Utah game, you know, they feel confident. It's the same defensive line they faced a year ago, and yeah. and they had success with a guy that was once a linebacker toting the rock at, yeah. at running back. So, granted, I mean, the numbers were still, what, like 3.2 yards per carry, but still, that was better than the average Utah was giving up. So, uh, there's, there's, there's a belief, there's a confidence that um, th- these big guys up front are kind of setting the tone along with Zach Wilson. I think that does wonders for, B- for BYU when you got the quarterback and the offensive line kind of setting the tone. I think that'll be a good thing for BYU. They got a lot of talent in that spot. Yeah. yeah, so let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball, right. uh, who they'll be facing off in the trenches during fall camp. Uh, some other big nasties. Um, very excited about this position group, the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose Corbin Kafusi, who one of the most productive defensive linemen in the Independence era uh, for BYU, but you look at who they bring back. They have Devin Kafusi. He's going to be the next Kafusi sporting number 90. Yep. Um, Trajan Peely had a really nice season last year. Um Lorenzo Fawatea expecting big things out of him. Bracken El Bakri, uh, Kyrus Tonga, the Dude, uh, the, the big man in the middle that with the NFL aspirations, and then Zach Daw, who I think personally, I know you've said it, Mitch. I'm very excited for Zach Daw this yeah. season. I think he's going to have a breakout season. He's going to be the guy that not a lot of people are talking about right now. But you look at where he's at physically. I've known Zach Daw since he was six years old. He's <laughs> always been a very pudgy kid. He's been large, <laughs> but he's always been very pudgy. <laughs> He was and, five feet tall when he came. Well, no, 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 no. He's always been a big, tall guy, but <laughs> yeah. he's always he's never really had a lot of muscle. He's been he's always had a lot of baby fat, but he's just a freak athlete. Yeah. Um, and he has that same work ethic that his other bro- older brother Parker had. Parker was just a freak when it came in, into the weight room and working hard. And Zach is applying that after you know facing a pretty bad back injury following his mission. And you look at him physically; he looks like he's ready to dominate a. Um, opposing offensive line, so I'm very excited for you know having him and uh, uh, Uriah Leatawa and Devin Kafusi kind of on the bookends of that defensive line with with Kyrus Tonga in the middle. I'm excited for this position group this year. 
Yeah, it's going to be great. The defensive line, I think that with Kyrus Tonga, he, he's going to lead the way. I mean, I think that the interior of that defensive line, Kyrus Tonga, Lorenzo Fawate, you mentioned them. They're going to be pretty good. And what's notable, too, is that, you know, Elisa Tuiaki, uh, one of the calling cards with him and Kalani when they were at Utah was they could go eight, ten guys on that defensive line, rotate them, and there was no drop-off, yeah. and you could keep those guys fresh in the fourth quarter. I, I don't know if it's eight to ten, but – I'll tell you, Elisa Tuiaki told me they feel confident they go three deep at each spot on the defensive line. And you'll see, you know, you'll see some of these guys, you know, they'll go to some three, four a little bit where you'll swing out a guy like a Lorenzo Fauteo could be a five tech and he can go out mm-hmm. and be a defensive end. There's going to be some versatility along this defensive line that they haven't had in years past. And, and because of it, they got a lot of options. So I, I think this will be a group that'll be very stout. I think they'll stop the run quite nicely. Will they get a pass rusher, though? That's kind of like the big thing. Now, is that realistic to expect? Because you see so many offenses getting rid of that football so quick in college football today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tough to, to, to pile up the sacks, but they have to create some sort of havoc in that backfield against these opponents, especially in that first month. I keep harping back to that because um, it's going to be a tall order. they got to get some pressure on guys like Tyler Huntley, on Jarrett Gorantano at Tennessee. So I still have reservations about that. But I like the pieces in place. I mean, when Jason Buck is saying that guy, Zach Daw, is going to be awesome as a pass rusher, who am I to argue with that? Right, Jason yeah. Buck knows a thing or he two about getting to the quarterback. Yeah. Um, do you have any guys that maybe we haven't mentioned yet that you might be looking forward to? Maybe guys that are uh, maybe won't be big contributors number-wise, statistic-wise this year, but we should maybe look for in the pipeline as they continue the, to develop on the, on the defensive line. line yeah. yeah. Alden Tofa is uh, someone that. I remember playing in high school. Thank you. I put that up on a tee because oh. I wanted to talk okay. about Alden Tofa. Okay, cool. I was excited when he signed with BYU. Yeah, because dude was a beast in high school. And I just remember like thinking whoever gets this guy is going to have a massive jump in their defensive line production. And, uh, yeah, I, f- I totally forgot about him, honestly, with the depth there. And, you know, he's young. He's only a sophomore. Is that what he yep. is? Yeah, yeah, redshirt sophomore. Oh, my gosh. Like, he's going to have years to, to – uh, learn from the coaching staff and the players and up his game. And then as soon as he's able to start, watch out. An upperclassman that I'm kind of intrigued by heading into camp is J.J. and Weekway. Uh, mm-hmm. Looked really good in spring ball. I mean, the coaches have invested time into him. They could have easily said, okay, last year, play it tight in like you were, graduate, move on, we free up a scholarship. But they said, okay, we're going to switch you over to defensive end, put you on scout team, red shirt, and we're going to put some time and, and resources behind you. So I think that speaks volumes to that, that they think highly enough of him that he can contribute. So J.J.'s intriguing to me. I would say deep down the road, Tyler Batty just got back home from Mission, former Pace and High standout, really like him, and Saleti Favaliaki. He's the next Kairos Tonga. Keep an eye on that kid. He Ooh, will be a name. Keep that an down. eye on Saleti Favaliaki. He is going to be insanely good for BYU down the road. He gets got back from mission, so anything it's it's going to take some time because he was a late returnee. As far as what late June he got back, but next year this time he's going to be the boss in the middle of that defensive line if Kyrus is gone. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this group's able to do. And yeah, Tyler Batty's a guy that I'm very intrigued by. Um, not very often that someone from Payson sure. is yeah. getting recruited to go play at the D1 level. So uh, it's going to be cool to see what he's able to do in the next few years. But let's move on to the linebacker position. Hem is obviously very excited for that. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm excited for the linebacker position. There's some really good young talent. My personal favorite player on the team, Isaiah Kafusi. Yes. Uh, he was kind of my breakout 
defensive star of the year last year. We stand um, Isaiah Kafusi. We stand Isaiah Kafusi. <laughs> when you guys watch the hype video that I put together, a lot of Isaiah Kafusi, a lot of Lapini Katoa. So you know where um, my attention was drawn to yeah. for this upco- um, upcoming season. But you have his younger brother, Jackson Kafusi. You have Drew Jensen, uh, Zane Anderson, Chaz Ayu, um, and Max Tooley. Those are kind of – and Peyton Wilger is another guy that um, – kind of expecting big things from but those are uh kind of the main group that i'm looking forward to uh seeing big things from this year yeah i think this position group it was interesting when the season ended back in december at the potato bowl you know you lose talkie talkie there were so many seniors that were graduating you thought you know what's going to be left with this group but then you realize hey zane anderson's coming back isaiah kafusi's mm-hmm. coming back yeah i'll be coming back from injuries but still going to be ready to go for fall camp now, how, how do you then fill in Sione Takitaki, who left a huge void huge at that void, middle yeah. linebacker spot? And I think that's going to be tough to fill because I think that, to me, of all the positions on the team, that is one where I don't really see a guy currently in the program right now and say, he's ready for game one. He's ready yeah. for game day. and Because I feel like at this juncture, fall camp is, I get the whole position battle thing, but I feel like you kind of know the horses you're going to ride with against right. Utah. Mm-hmm. We're 40 days out of, as of this recording, and I think the coaching staff knows who their dudes are, who their guys are. Um, does fall camp all suddenly make a Jackson Kafusi, a you know Alex Mascala? Do they suddenly emerge or a Max Tooley? Max Tooley maybe could be that Mike linebacker, but to yeah. me, guys, I think you go with the best eleven on the field. I think you go Isaiah Kafusi at Mike linebacker. Put Chaz Ayu, who was a talented four-star kid, had the whole helicopter thing. <laughs> yeah. He switches from safety to to boundary linebacker or flash, wherever you want to put him. Put him at that boundary linebacker spot in replace of Isaiah. Then you're getting your best eleven on the field, mm-hmm. and I think that's the direction they should go. But I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I think they want to keep Isaiah at that boundary linebacker spot as much as they can because he was such a great playmaker against Utah this past November in that spot. But uh, I think if you want to get the best 11, I think that's the route you take because other than that, I don't see a guy that's going to be ready for that Mike linebacker position. I I completely agree. I think that was was my concern was how do you replace Johnny Takitaki and his production and his stalwart ability on the defense and his leadership. And um, like you said, for me, it's just a bunch of like – who is it going to be? Like, usually mm-hmm. you already know. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Kafusi, like, he's he's on our, our list, obviously. But for me, I think it's this is a position where, especially at fall camp, someone's going to have to step up. Yep. Someone's going to have to mm-hmm. uh, make a name for themselves. And I'm really hoping that it's Max Tooley. Um, I knew him in high school. My played at the same high school as my brother. Really athletic, quick. Um, he was a four-star recruit yep. by some services. Yeah. And, you know, he, he could lay a hit. Um, it was high school football, so it kind of remains to be seen. Like, what if if their vision was there? College is a different level, but he's a guy that I'm hoping takes the mantle, steps up, um, and he could be really good for this BYU defense if uh, if he's ready. And he so, was someone I was excited about when he signed. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, to the point of getting the best eleven on the field. Uh, Sione Taki Taki wasn't initially a middle linebacker. I mean, he started his BYU career as an edge rusher. He played defensive end. He played boundary linebacker for a little bit. Um, I mean, he played probably four or five different positions on the field during his BYU career, and he just got plugged into the middle linebacker position uh, once Butch Pau um, kind of uh, wasn't able to perform at that same level that he did his sophomore year, and he flourished there. So um, you you never know what. Um, a guy like Isaiah Kafusi could do in that position. I would hope that uh, his abilities would translate and he'd be able to do a good job. But it, it, it's it's 
kind of a it's a worrisome thought to take someone out of a position that they are so talented at and plug them in somewhere else where they might not have that same playmaking ability. But, um, yeah, I think you go with the best 11. I mean, maybe, you know, they kind of have Chaz play like a a hybrid um, safety linebacker role, kind of a nickelback, kind of what they did with Fred. And or they could do the same thing with yeah. Zane Anderson, just because of yeah. the athleticism that these guys have, they can play in the box and play in coverage. And it would be great too if they could get to a point where maybe the defensive backs, and we'll probably talk about them momentarily. But if they could get to like a four-two-five, because you're seeing that a lot in the out west yeah. in college football, we know up on the hill, Utah's they just pretty much tried out two linebackers, Absolutely. maybe BYU. Yeah. Okay, if they, I feel like they got the the, the potential in that defensive back room to to have five DBs and then just bring out Zane Let's and Isaiah. That's great. Let's move on to the defensive great. backs then. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Um, so defensive back, the main guys that are coming back, you got Dion Gunwalaku, um, uh, Austin Lee, uh, changed his number from 11 to 2. So um, Sawyer Powell's back for another. Is it his sixth year that he's back? He's been in the program since like 2012. Yeah, he's been in there for a long time. He's taken the uh, <laughs> Zach Hicken approach to graduating from college, apparently. Um, Keenan Ellis, uh, uh, you got a lot of guys coming back. Troy Warner, um, D'Angelo Mandel, very excited for this position group because this might be, I mean, in terms of bodies, this is, um, and I didn't even mention Chris Wilcox yet, but in terms of bodies, this is probably the most guys that BYU's had in a long time in that defensive back group. And, um, the most guys in a long time that BYU's been able to roll out on the field and that could actually play at a high level. Yeah, I think yeah. this this is going to be a position. You know, you look at the cornerbacks and safeties. I, I think there is potential for depth. It's a little bit thinner than I would have thought a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I just because you saw a few guys transfer out. Travion Green was going to yeah. be a two deep guy. Uh, he goes into the transfer portal without ever really playing a down. He got a free BYU education and never really played a game that's just kind of how how crazy this transfer situation works nowadays but if Chris Wilcox is healthy that will be huge and gives BYU maybe that potential to have that 4-2-5 look and just yeah. have the two linebackers because Wilcox's status is up in the air I talked to Elisa Tuiaki at media day and and I asked him about Chris and his uh, potential availability against Utah he's like it's up in the air right now because you know he ha- he got misdiagnosed as far as his injury during the season. He had another surgery last February, uh, so he had a new surgery. So it's it's kind of behind the eight ball a little bit right mm-hmm. now. And and if he's healthy, man, he might. And this might sound crazy because you think about how he started out and just getting burned left and right in that Toledo game in 2016. Yeah. He was just getting used and abused, really. Yeah. But he might be the best NFL prospect BYU has next to Kairos Tonga on the defensive side. And in the mm-hmm. secondary, he's the best prospect because wow. of his size, his, his length, speed, his, speed, his yeah. measurables. Yeah. He will test out extremely well at the combine. Well, you and look I think at a guy like Michael Davis, and Michael Davis just wasn't on radars because he got benched for a pair of freshmen sure. in uh, in Warner and uh, Gonwalaku. And now he's flourishing with the Chargers, and Chris yeah. Wilcox could take a very similar route. Well, I think also with Wilcox, too. I mean, last year against Arizona, he had multiple pass interferences. You're yeah. like, oh, no, here we go again. Like, Wilcox, just is it ever going to click and yeah. fall into place for him? But then, like, you didn't hear his name much in games, and you lo- go back and watch the games. Like, he was just – they weren't targeting his side right. of the field. Mm-hmm. He was a shut-down corner for BYU. And you could argue some of it wasn't that great a competition in some stretch of the season, but – you know, he was not getting targeted. They were not going to his side of the field. And Wilcox was really good last season for BYU. So his health is going to be huge. Because then suddenly you're talking about, okay, Dimitri Gallo, a Juco transfer. He can be a guy that gets eased in rather than 
they need him right away to, to compete and vie for time. And then, you know, you're talking about uh, Demetri Gal, Eric Ellison, a Juco transfer. D'Angelo Mandel, though, is going to have a huge step forward. I think if you're talking about maybe most too. improved player, he's the candidate I look at. I look at. I saw him at the Fan Fest talking to him, and it feels like now he's kind of comfortable at BYU. I, I talked to him last season, and he was just like, man, the, the culture shock at BYU mm-hmm. was like too much for him to handle. Yeah. He withdrew from school. He was going to go to Montana. Then he comes back. Ed Lamb says, hey, are you, you officially signed with Montana? You, we got a spot for you if you want to come back. He decides to come back. And then he was getting a lot of run after Wilcox went down. So Mandel is a guy to me that's going to be a, a huge contributor for BYU. And then I think Dian is going to primarily be at the cornerback spot if okay. Wilcox is not healthy. If Wilcox is healthy, Dion's going to go to safety because then then you're talking about getting that best 11 on the field. Yeah, and Austin Lee, his, uh, I mean, having him come over as a transfer was a big boost to that defensive yeah. uh, backfield. Um, and like you said, there are a couple guys that could play a couple different positions. I mean, we saw Troy Warner play, play both cornerback mm-hmm. and safety um, as well as Dion. And so, uh, yeah, plug and play, get the best 11 guys on the field. And um, I'm excited for some of these young bucks, though, that like Keenan Ellis, D'Angelo Mandel that you mentioned um and uh, uh malik moore so well and it's interesting you know you mentioned troy warner I, I i honestly i didn't mention him because i don't know where i stand with w- what i can expect from troy heading yeah. into a senior because he had a setback with the foot injury mm-hmm. during spring ball he missed the last you know seven days or so of practice i, I don't know where he's at health wise the yeah. thing that's interesting is that he's got a redshirt year available if he's not full go, and he he's a guy that has aspirations to get to the league, and I think he's got the talent potentially to be in the league. Um, you know, how do you handle that situation? I think BYU's got the bodies that safety to you know not be able to have to worry about mm-hmm. Troy. But I mean Sawyer Powell and Austin Lee. I think those are your day one starters at safety. That's a pretty good tandem. I, yeah. I think Sawyer. BYU fans might go, oh, really? Sawyer Palak? Is that? Are we going to feel great confident? season last <laughs> year? He was solid. He yeah. was solid. I'm not going to say he's like a world beer. I mean, man, no. he's like he's he can get a rental car. That's yeah. old. I mean, when you're talking about cultural players <laughs> getting rental cars, that's old. Well, and the thing is, for the expectations that you have for him um, as a, as a walk on six sure. year in the program, um, you look at a lot of guys like that. You don't expect a lot of things. I mean, you look at like Mike Haig, who came in is a very highly recruited guy, and he yep. moves over to safety and. Um, you know, by the time he's in his sixth year in the program, I was just like, oh, this guy's still here. Um, by the way, Mike Haig, one of my all-time favorite BYU players. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm I still remember that run. Defensive. What was it? 06 UNLV. Yep. It was a great touchdown run. Yep. Great touchdown. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, – do we want to talk specialists? Do we want to spend a lot of time on it? I know if we had Tom Hackett in here, he'd be all over it. But um, really talented kicking group with Jake Oldroyd, Skylar Southam. Um, I don't know what the battle is going to be like. I didn't pay much attention to it during spring ball. Um, but you have two guys that uh, have, have performed well at the college level um, that are going to be able to do it. So, I so personally, I I need more from these guys. Yeah, I need them to be able to put points on the board if if our offense can't do it because the schedule's tough and there might be stretches where we can't get into the end zone from the red zone. So you're gonna need we're gonna need Old Droid. We're gonna need uh, Southam to like at least give us three. Um, and it just, I get these PTSD flashbacks of the Washington game where like we just needed points and we just couldn't get it. And so I need these guys just to be more consistent. Yeah. I think old droid's going to be the place kicker. And I think the punter probably going to be Ryan Raycal return mission. He just got back from mission a week ago. He's going to enroll in school coming up when, or he's going to be joining the program when they report later this month. 
Fall camp's going to start July 31st. The play, the players report July 30th. I think Ray Cow's going to win that punter job. His older brother was a All-American at Idaho, first-team All-American, was a Ray Guy finalist. Oh, wow. um, so that family, they are all about punting. I think that's going to be the guy that ultimately wins the job. If it's not him, you're talking about either Jake Oldroyd or Danny Jones at punter. And Danny Jones, I'm not going to lie, I mean, he, he's got a long way to go. He's and When you think Aussie punter, you think of our resident expert, yeah, Tom Hackett. Yeah. You think of Mitch Wisnowski. You think of, you know, Utah's got another one, and, and I think his name's Lennon up there. Ben yeah, Lennon, he's, yeah. He's going to be really good again for Utah. So I think that BYU, they got to get it right with that punter spot because they don't have the luxury of opening up with an FCS team. So field position will be critical against Utah. We've seen in that yes. rivalry game pick sixes and, and things like that just are the nail in the coffin for BYU. they got to get that right. Ryan, Ryan Raycow, I think, is going to be the guy. I think Jake Oldroyd, Jake the Make, is mm-hmm. going to be your place kicker. Let's go through the season schedule, game-by-game uh, game predictions, give them, um, and then we'll have our – each of us will just kind of keep track of our own record. Okay. And uh, we'll just – Keep that. What uh, you, is Delta a sponsor for BYU or something like that? Dude, they fly out the charter plane, right? Yeah, they do. Okay. Oh, out of Provo? Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. Heaven's getting super excited. He works for Delta part time, <laughs> in case you guys didn't know. So I was surprised. When, I didn't when, know that. <laughs> when Heaven perks up and goes, Delta, Delta. Like, what the? That's why. Anyways. Um, so let's start with Utah. Season opener, August 29th, Thursday. We're going to blow out the coverage, by the way, guys. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, we're going to be down there an hour long preview show from 7 to 8. So. Really looking forward to that game. Um, what do you guys have season over against Utah? What is your expectation? I expect BYU to keep it very close. Okay. Um, I don't – there's a lot of expe- – we talk about expectations a lot, especially with the BYU Nation here. Um, it's really difficult t- for me to see people have these outrageous expectations that like, you know, Zach Wilson, although he's – a great quarterback we can't say he's a world beater sure. i mean he's he's still new and so um i expect him to do great things in this game um what do i want to see i want to see byu run the rock i want to see them push that defensive line if we can push that defensive line then that's a good sign that byu could get the w so are you taking them to get the w sure yeah okay i okay. think so all right I'm Local media at, picking BYU to win. <laughs> Zoobs. I'm looking at this one, and I think that you know this is Utah's best team in the Kyle Whittingham era, I think maybe in the history of their program. It might be. Yeah. Uh, just from a depth standpoint, Utah's getting pretty good, uh, really good this season. Now, I think what's going to be interesting is how the approach to this game, and, and I just feel like you know, Utah, I feel like Whittingham is looking at last year as a loss. I really do. I think yeah. like he's looking at last year and going – how in the world were we down 27 to 7 of those guys? Yeah, we came right. back, whatever. But that was the moment where it's like, how are we down? And I think he, he is going to make it a point to completely stifle Zach Wilson in every shape or form. Because yeah. I think if Zach Wilson shut down BYU, they're done. I mean, they, they will yeah. be dead in the water. Uh, and I feel like BYU is going to cough up the football in some way in that game and give an easy touchdown to Utah. I think BYU is going to keep this thing within a touchdown. But I think that ultimately, I think Utah's coming away. I just don't think right now that you can say with how Jekyll and Hyde BYU is mm-hmm. that they're just going to walk in and, and beat a preseason top 25 team right now, especially a team that has gotten the better of BYU eight straight times. I've got to say Utah by a field goal right now. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Utah as well. Um, 
I'm, I'm not going to guess the spread or anything like that because you never know in this rivalry sure. game. I mean, it's insane. Like you said, Mitch, this is Utah's best team. They yeah. return every um, major star that could have declared early um, from last year's team. You got Zach Moss coming back, Bradley and I, Jalen Johnson. All these stars that could have left early to go to the NFL that have NFL aspirations, put them on hold for a year to come back and do something special at Utah. And doing something special at Utah, it all starts in that season one opener against BYU. Unfortunately, you know, as as someone who's watched the streak that grew up watching BYU, um, you want it to end just for the sake of the rivalry being competitive again and not being so one-sided, but I think it's going to continue this year. This year isn't the year. Maybe we'll look forward to 2020 and seeing what happens then. But unfortunately, um, for BYU fans, I think the season is going to open up with a loss. Then the next week, they're going to be they're going to get a nine day break, head out to uh, Tennessee, uh, out in Knoxville. Mitch and I will be there. Yes, joined by Alex Keery, Sam Farnsworth. So make sure you guys pay attention to all our coverage there because we are going to be blowing it out of the water. What do you guys have for the Tennessee game? Now, a lot of people will make the point. BYU doesn't play well in the Eastern time zone. <laughs> I counter that with Tennessee is actually in the Central time zone. <laughs> Sam it's, Farnsworth made that point to me earlier today it's, or earlier this week. Yeah, so technicalities. Uh, it is SEC football that yeah. BYU is going to be playing up against. What What are your picks there? Um, I'm going to say Tennessee for this one. Okay, it's uh, you don't play. It's an opponent that they hardly have ever played. Right. I don't know. Have they ever played Tennessee? No. First no, time. No. Okay. First time, yeah. So it's like, you know, you go to the SEC country, uh, you go to like uh I would say Tennessee's pretty much a blue blood kind of uh program. Like yeah. they it who knows what's gonna happen, but the odds don't look good for me, so I'm gonna say Tennessee. I think this is the most talented team BYU's gonna face in the first month in terms of depth. I think Tennessee's got the most speed out on the edges with their wide receivers and their I mean, Utah's good. I mean, Utah's got good personnel. I think Tennessee though's got the most like they're kind of it's it's interesting. BYU and Tennessee are like two two head coaches where they feel like, okay, last year, okay, decent, whatever, but we got to do something more this year. And I feel like they feel like this is going to be a breakthrough year in those programs that kind of rest on this game. I think BYU gets it done though. I think BYU wins this game, uh, and I think that the Cougars get a a big bounce back win after losing to the Utes. So Tennessee's coming off a five and seven season, I believe. Um, they aren't the same program, like you said. They're, they are a traditional blue blood, but they haven't been that same program that they historically have been the last few seasons. And despite that, um, it's hard to match up with SEC talent and speed. I know it's a cliche. I know people say that right. all the time. SEC speed, it's a real thing. Even you a bad even SEC saw, team. Like, yeah, yeah. You even saw when BYU played like Ole Miss when they were down that year. Yeah. It was a tight game. And that was, uh, I mean, not at the quarterback position, but otherwise BYU had a very talented and, team. And they and got the last chance of you defensive tackle. Yeah. yeah. What's his name? Dimitri Gooden? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you got to factor that in yeah, too. We got to plug last chance. You was back oh, on Netflix. That the crazy. new season yeah. started yesterday. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to match up um, with the, with the level of talent that Tennessee goes up against week in week out in the sec. Um, as much as I, I would like to see BYU go out there and win and get a nationally relevant win. It's not happening in week two. But let's fast forward to week three. <laughs> this is this might catch people by surprise. I think that this is the team that BYU can catch off guard. Yes. USC. I think BYU comes back after that road trip. Um, a day game. They're, it's in the afternoon. Yeah. They're in the afternoons again. 
BYU against USC. Um, I think that BYU can get that win against USC. Hmm, I like that. I think they can too, and I think uh, it'll be the first time BYU beats USC if they if they beat them. Yeah, oh three and oh four couldn't get it done against yeah. Reggie Bush and Leinard and all those guys. Uh, and then let me just plug this in. This is pretty funny. Um, I don't remember. I think it was. Um, wow, what's the quarterback's name for Alabama? Um, Tongo Vailoa. Oh, yeah. Someone was talking about Tongo Vailoa, and they were like, what are you doing in Alabama? Shouldn't you be at USC or BYU? And it's just <laughs> funny because Paulies usually go there. Anyways. My favorite thing after uh, he got plugged into that national championship game two years ago, and all the BYU fans <laughs> are just like, oh, great. BYU losing another LDS kid just because he's Polynesian <laughs> right. is what they make the assumption on. He's not a LDS, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, what, what's your pick for USC? Mitch? Yeah, I think BYU is going to win this game. I, th- I think that they get it done against the Trojans. I, I think that USC could be a four-win football team. They could be an eleven-win football yeah, team. Yeah, you are never so know with USC. Hard. They are hard to figure out. And I think this. My, I'm kind of erring on the side of they're going to be a disaster this year. I really, yeah. I really do. I think Clay Hilton. This could be his last game. Honestly, I think yeah. BYU. <laughs> is going to be the maybe the nail in the coffin on his career. So I, I think BYU gets it done, and I think they start out 2-1. There's even rumblings that Clay Helton may be fired before the season even starts. So, oh, uh, wow. yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens the week after that. Um, by the way, loaded home schedule. Not only a loaded so first month, yeah. three Power 5 teams at home in the first month. Uh, Washington in week four. Um, I'll start us off. I don't see BYU getting a win. It, it would be yeah. the Wisconsin win of last year after just the way that they were they thumped won. in 2018 if they come back home and, and win this game. But I'm I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, Even if Washington is having a down year, like losing a bunch of guys, like I said, PTSD from Washington last year, It's they're not going to get it done. It's going to be tough. Yeah, I think that Washington wins this game. But I think it's it's it, – to me what will be interesting in this one is like how does BYU – do they keep it competitive? Can yes. BYU go throughout the entire season – and either win the games or, or if the losses, they're competitive. Because the last two years, BYU has had some just duds. Games where it's like, did you even show up? Mm-hmm. And Washington was that game last year. And if they can avoid that, I, I think it'll be much more competitive this go-round. But still, I think that you know Washington, Chris Peterson, that is a machine out there up in the Pacific Northwest. It's crazy to think just 11 years ago right. they were a winless team and BYU yeah. was going up there and winning on a controversial uh, you know, <laughs> celebration. And now Washington's back being one of the preeminent programs in the in the West Coast and, and, and BYU's kind of fighting to get back into being in the college football relevant uh, conversation. But I think that Washington comes away with that one and BYU's 2-2 two and two. Uh, in the first month of the I, season. I just want to say, too, that, you know, you bring up a good point. In that same vein, you know, BYU is going to use this game to see, like, okay, can we keep it close? Can we make adjustments? How do our athletes stack up? But I think, more importantly, it's going to be that same thing for the coaching staff. Chris yeah. Peterson, man, has pretty much owned the Mountain West for yeah. as far as I can remember. And if, if Kalani and his crew, um, his crew of ragtag heroes, right, if they can somehow – adjust and keep it close with Chris Peterson's team. I think it's going to be very important. And maybe it's too soon to bring this up, but it's also got a great local tie into this game. Uh, you probably know where I'm going with it. You probably still remember the night where you were bringing out Utah State roll footage. Uh, Puka Nakua and Ty Jones. That'll be interesting to see how BYU matches up against those guys. Thank yeah. you for bringing up one of the worst <laughs> nights of our life. Goodness Mitch. gracious. Um, I remember I sat outside waiting for the Nakua family to come up. In the middle of a snow- snowstorm, I sat outside for two hours just watching that cars go by, insane. hoping it was that nuts. it was every single car that go 
that came and pulled up to the triad center was them. Yeah, it was um, yeah uh, Washington. Uh, so that's probably the best. So that's the end of like the. Well, that's the fourth game, right? That's game four. So um, that's a, a tough start. Um, well, and, and it doesn't even end there. Yeah, September you continues see, with Toledo, who going is, out to the Glass Bowl. A lot of people might be like, yeah, like if a casual fan might be like Toledo. They're not even a P five. Well, here's the thing: I could see this being a trap game for BYU. Totally. Um, I could see this. I mean, they they have to go fly back out east after a gauntlet of a schedule in that first four weeks. They turn around, they go play Toledo, um, a team that's going to struggle this year on defense a little bit, but they have a good running game. Um, I, I was talking to Sam a little bit about Toledo. Uh, he's doing his research because he he really wants to make sure that he gets an accurate prediction. Uh, for the BYU 2019 season, he he was taking it very seriously, um, but uh, they they lose a couple offensive linemen. Um, despite that, I think that BYU will go out and it's going to be a tough win, but they're going to grind it out. They'll get the win here. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one, and and I always try to think going into any season, like what are I try to like forecast in my mind, like what will Kalani say going into any given week, like you know, and this is going to be the one where he's saying. We just got to empty the tank, man. Like, we're going to go into a bye week. We're going to empty the tank. And, you know, like, we're just going to empty that tank. And that's going to be, uh, you know, an interesting dynamic here because you got all those P5s, but then you got a bye week in the, the week after. Uh, how do they treat that game? I think they squeak out a win. That one in 2016 was one of the best games I think I've ever seen in the Independence era. Oh, yeah. Where actually BYU was actually looking like an offense for once. It's like, my gosh, they can actually score well, and points. They came out on the very first play of the game. Oh yeah, and throw seventy five yards downfield, and just, I mean that whole game was amazing. Was Jamal great. Williams sets the rushing single game rushing record. Just um, proves that it, at the end of the day, like yeah, defense is great, but give me some offense, oh, man. Was, I want I want to shoot so out fun. bombs dropping. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it was man. such a great. And game. And let me just say before we move on, Toledo has a great zoo. So if you guys are, if any Cougar fans are going out there with your chillins, Toledo has a great zoo. Did not know that. I've been there. It's great. Brought to you by. Delta. <laughs> um, so BYU has a bye week the week after that. Uh, it'll be for, uh, actually, kind of surprising, a conference week bye. Traditionally, that game is usually filled by Utah State. Right. Um, but they'll be able to soak in the the good word of uh, church leaders and uh, really focus on rejuvenating their spirits. And, here on KSL TV? Yeah, here on K- KSL K- TV. KSL News Radio? Uh, KSL News Radio. Recharge well. those spiritual you. batteries. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, but after that, they'll be heading out east, um, out to Tampa to face USF. Uh, what do you guys have in this game? You know, for this one, it's I think that USF, they were a dumpster fire last year. In the back half, they had to let go of their coordinator, and they lost their last six games. 7-0, and yes, but they were really a mess. I mean, they didn't really play anyone worth the ding. They had one of the worst schedules in college football. The great thing about this is in the, the fun storyline here will be Charlie Strong. And it's going to be, hey, do you still have nightmares about Taysom Hill? Do you still have nightmares about Taysom and that, that hurdle in Texas? <laughs> uh, I think that USF, it's it's interesting with them because uh, they'll have some good skill position players. they got one of the better quarterbacks BYU will see mm-hmm. this season in Blake Barnett, who was a former Alabama guy. He started a few games for the Crimson Tide. Then he went down to Arizona State, had a kid, got like a – I had a wife and all this stuff. Then he bounced back to South Florida. Kind of crazy there. But I think BYU wins this one. I think they cruise. I think they win by, like, double digits in this one. I don't think South Florida is all that good. They're kind of just a middling AAC team. you got to win this if you're BYU. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think BYU will win, but I think it'll be it'll look good on the resume. Yeah, yeah sure. I think BYU gets this win. And, I mean, the one holdup is, yeah, it's an East Coast game. But you got to remember, coming off that bye week, uh, they'll probably fly out there early is my guess. Just to yeah, kind of Thursday. Uh, get used to it and – uh, be able to get used to uh, the, the time zone change and 
uh, all that fun stuff. But the week after that, um, Boise State. Okay, this is traditionally a game that BYU struggled in. I don't think they've won. They've lost three straight to Boise State. Does that sound right? The last uh, one was the Miracle. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. the yeah so 2015. So they've lost three straight to uh, Boise State. I think this is the year they get it done. Um, Boise's losing a four-year starter at quarterback yeah. um, in Ripon. Um, the running back, Maddox, I think. Maddox, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. You spent a lot of time in Boise yeah. last season, Emma. So you're, you're a resident Boise expert. But he's gone too, <laughs> so that's nice. Because he was tearing tearing it up. Yeah. Uh, he, I think, yeah, Utah State lost that game. That's yeah. the game I went to was Boise State-Utah State. And yeah. Utah State was and a good team. And you were in the bowl game too. So yeah. you, a, lot of, a lot of familiarity with the blue turf on your end. But Ugh, my eyes I mean, that game adjusted. last year just came, came down to the final play. And if uh, Matt Bushman doesn't get blown up on the right side, um, and the whole right side of the offensive line completely caved after that. Zach Wilson panics and tries to run it in rather than making a play. But, I mean, obviously I'm still hung up on that loss. But I think that BYU redeems itself this year. This is a game, I mean, I think that there are a couple games that Zach Wilson personally has a, has circled on the schedule. This is definitely one of them. Yeah, I think that, man, it's tough because I, th- I think like Boise State, they're always going to be a 10-11 win team. I just, yeah. they are good. And, and I think this is the year, if, if any, to get them because they're going to be changing up the quarterback position and maybe they're going to even trot out a true freshman with Hank Bachmeyer. But I think like by that point, I mean, what, we're talking October 19th. Yeah. That true freshman's now going to be, the coach would say, he's basically not a freshman anymore. So I think Boise's going to win that game still. And, that, and that's a must win that no one's talking about because yeah. Kalani hasn't beat his rivals. He hasn't beat Utah. He hasn't beat Boise State. And the only time he's beaten Utah State was when Utah State was a three-win team. So Kalani has not had success against his, against his rivals. And Boise, to me... Is a rival. You got to get it done, but I think they come up short in this one. I, th- I like Boise State's defense really good, re- a lot, and I think that's a, a really successful program with Brian Harson. Well, and then next week they have another must-win game, and this is sure. a game that very important for this program for BYU as a whole because traditionally, historically, BYU does not lose to Utah State. They're on the verge yeah. of being zero and three in the last three years, and uh, falling to one and three in the Kalani Sitaki era against Utah State. Um, new new head coach, um, new offensive coordinator. New they pretty much lost. <laughs> yeah, new old head coach. Thank you for that clarification. Gary Anderson returns to Logan. Um, they lose a lot of offensive linemen. They they lose their leading rusher, but they they um, return quarterback. Uh, I, I think that they're going to be kind of reloaded. Um, they got Gerald the Bright same level. Yeah, Gerald back. Bright. Personally, our he's favorite. Our favorite. He's, he's our favorite player in the state. Um, if you guys haven't, I know. I know, it's not. It's kind of taboo for BYU fans to say that Utah State's their favorite player. But, guys, just listen to his interviews because he's the most entertaining player. We, we want to chill with he's him. He's like Jamal Williams, okay? Yeah, like, fun. You guys would love him. He's awesome. He took over an interview that we were doing down at the New Mexico Bowl last year. <laughs> um, he just grabbed the mic from Jeremiah and started interviewing his teammates. <laughs> and he's like, yo, what do you guys think about uh, uh, Albuquerque? Like, what's your favorite thing? And, and then, yeah, they're great. just like, Albuquerque sucks. <laughs> He's like, well, I mean, they got good food, green chili. Um, anyway, this is a must win for BYU. Unfortunately for the Cougars, I don't see them uh, getting it done this year. It's up in Logan. It's late in the season. It's a tough place to play. Um, yeah, it's a tough place to play. And, I mean, that Utah State Athletics as a whole is kind of revitalized with the success that they've had in both football and basketball. And, I mean, all of Cache County is going to be coming out for that yeah. game cheering against BYU. It's going to be a very hostile crowd. Um, it's going to be a tough 
game for BYU to get, and I don't think they do. Yeah. All right, let's roll through the the last the back. Did you guys give your picks thing. for that? We did not. Okay. Oh, uh, for Utah State, I think I don't think BYU gets it done either. Tough I, place to play. I think BYU lock it in. They're going to beat Utah State. I think they're going to win Ooh. by maybe ten points. I, I think that Utah State fifty newcomers on this roster. Yeah, they got Jordan Love, but that's a new offensive system. I, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a transition period for Gary Anderson. They got a tough schedule. I mean, they're going to go to LSU. They're going to go to mm-hmm. Wake Forest. They yeah. now have San Diego State on the schedule. I think by that point on November 2nd, Utah State might be a, be a beaten up team because right now they're feeling high and mighty, 11-2. Yeah. and two. Hey, we're passing up the Zoobs. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> life is good in the yeah. Cash Valley, and rightfully so. They are maximizing their resources, probably a lot better than even BYU. But I think at the end of the day, I think BYU's got better talent, and I think that that's going to win the day against Utah State this go-around. I think BYU gets it done against the Aggies. I, I feel pretty confident about that one. Okay, I like it. A little bit of a uh, difference in opinion there. Nice. Uh, Liberty, can we all agree that BYU is going to beat Liberty this year? I will say with Liberty, haven't had a lo- they haven't had a losing season since 2005. Now, okay. that's an interesting program as far as they might be in the mix to, to get a wave or two from the, tra- from the quarterback at Auburn who transferred in, who was expected to be the starting quarterback at Auburn this year. So that's an interesting angle to kind of monitor as far as Liberty goes. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, BYU should beat a program that uh, that has a tougher honor code than them. That, that's that's what I'm excited about. Is that BYU is going into a game where that school has a tougher honor code than BYU. Wow. I can't wait for and that. And don't forget, Hugh Freeze is the new head coach. The only person that can judge him is Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's a win. That's a win. That's a win. Yeah, uh, Idaho State yeah, a win. win. UMass. That it's better a be a win. It better be a win. I mean, they lost to uh, UMass two years ago in the season finale in Provo. They got to win that game. Let's move on to San Diego State, though. Well, I we'll think... say, though, UMass, the fight in Andy Isabella's, they're now getting, this game's going to be played <laughs> on their campus. And I found out that the only reason why they didn't play it on their campus last year was because, well, they didn't have uh, restrooms that were actually working. Uh, it it sounds like Utah State a so few years ago. It was, it was going to be like, so they were literally having just porta potties for the fans at their on campus stadium. Oh, my goodness. And BYU's like, we won't be playing that game there until you get some like restrooms. <laughs> wow. And so that game is now going to be on campus this year because they now have restrooms. Okay. Yeah. Well, congratulations <laughs> to UMass. Moving on just up. Just getting flushable water. Very uh, good. You know, if they don't win um, the F- FBS <laughs> uh, conference, quote unquote. They are going to a bowl game this year. <laughs> All right, enough of the dad jokes. Um, on to San Diego State. Uh, what do you guys think of this game? This is an interesting game. Um, San Diego State, kind of a they've been one of the biggest powerhouses along with Boise State in the Mountain West since BYU left. Um, BYU is two and zero against San Diego State since leaving the Mountain West Conference. Uh, do they move to three and zero this season? Yeah, I think that you know with with San Diego State, I like seeing this old rivalry re- renewed again. Yeah. I mean, uh, Montezuma Mesa, you know, the show might actually show up for this one. I mean, San Diego State, despite their success, they still don't have much of a following in football. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I think that Rocky Long has done a really great job with that program. They got another good running back again. I don't know how they keep doing it at San Diego State, but Jawan yeah. Washington. Uh, he's one of the better running backs outside the Power Five conference. I, I think BYU wins this game, though, and and I'm like now I'm thinking about it, I'm like ah jeez like I'm saying like this is now nine wins I'm saying for BYU, <laughs> but it, you know what? Let's roll with it, baby. Let's, let's run it. this. Let's roll with this thing. Uh, I think BYU gets it done. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. They're, they're, I, I guess I'm saying nine and three. I, I didn't realize I was <laughs> expecting this high of expectations, but wow. nine and three for the Cougs, and I do not feel good about it. Interesting. San Diego State, you know they're they're. 
perennially the the Western Division champion. It's like them and Fresno, yeah. right? They take turns. Um, so that they're not going to be a pushover, right? Um, so I do think it's going to be a probably a close game. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? But I, I do think BYU pulls out a win in this one. Yeah, I just... I'm amazed at the stretch of running backs that San Diego State has had in the last uh, since 2012. Three guys that have been drafted in uh, Ronnie Hillman, um, Donnell Pumphrey, and then Rashad Penny uh, is now with my Seahawks. And yeah, Juwan Washington. Um, late in the season, it, it's tough to know where BYU is going to be at health wise mm-hmm. uh, at that point of the season. But I'd like to think that as long as Zach Wilson is healthy and they have most of that offensive line intact, defense is still um, pieced together. Not not too many guys have gone down with injury. Um, I, I would think that BYU would get that win in San Diego State, and they'd be off to bowl season with an 8-4 and four record on my end, looking to pick up that ninth win in Hawaii on December 24th. And the thing is with those type of games, too, is that BYU has to win those. I mean, the BYU yeah. is going to hold itself saying, like, we don't need to go back to the Mountain West Conference. Yeah. Come on, are you kidding me? you got to get that done. Even if you do have some some injuries, you, you should still have the depth. That's better than a San Diego State. But, hey, who knows? I mean, that could be a San Diego State team that's – Nationally ranked, nine yeah. wins, and they could be rolling, or they yeah. could be a four win team. It's, you, you don't really know, but uh, you know it should be should be fun. And man, again, I I do not feel comfortable at my nine and three, but I'm <laughs> no. gonna go with it. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> no, let's you, let's do this thing. You can't have a two and one record. Or sorry, uh, I think all three of us have a two and one record against Mountain West opponents. You can't have a losing record against Mountain West opponents right. in the position that BYU's in as an independent that left the Mountain West Conference. Yeah. I mean. Um, yeah, you you got to be better than that, especially when um, they're approaching in the next four or five years uh, potential restructuring college football once again. If you want to make the argument that you belong in a Power Five conference, you can't have constant seasons where you're losing to G five teams. Yep. All right, so that wraps up our BYU twenty nineteen season preview. I got the Cougars at eight and four, Mitch nine and three. I think Hema had him at eight and four. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, it's all right though. It's a winning we got them for all three getting of us. a winning record, yeah. Going Heading to the boring. islands for the whole for the uh, holiday season, picking up that win. Um, but this is what a lot of you guys have been waiting for. If you're a, not a BYU fan, I apologize <laughs> that we made you wait an hour and fifteen minutes. Um, you guys can uh, stop the Chinese waterboarding uh, that's been going on for the last hour and fifteen minutes while you're listening. Um, we are picking our winner for the dawn issue number ones. Uh, thank you to everyone who. First off, who followed us on Twitter, uh, subscribed to the podcast, left a review. Really helped with our growth. We really appreciate it. We're excited for the future. We're going to be doing big things. We have big guests coming up next week, ones that you guys will be very excited about. But without further ado, we pick our winner. (laughs) Thank you. I needed a sound effect. Michael Carter. Michael Carter, you are the winner. Uh, It was Lyman Bean. Lyman something. We Lyman Bean, just... I believe, is what it was. Lyman underscore duh on Twitter. Uh, so congratulations, Michael Carter. We'll be in contact with you. Um, message and, us. Uh, and yeah, just message us and we'll, we'll get something together. Um, we would love to have you on the podcast to talk about your, your win. Uh, and very excited. But um, that's all we have for today's show. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening. Um, make sure you guys go check out kslsports.com um, for all your... BYU coverage. We're going to have more giveaways in, in the future, more jazz swag coming up. Um, we'll have BYU and Utah stuff for the upcoming upcoming game. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Mitch, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, again. thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. It's been great. I am Hemahimuli Jr. He is Zachary Hicken. Good night, everybody.